Hey guys, thank you for tuning in. In this episode, whenever we say coming out or uh, coming out of the closet, that expression that that expression usually means that when gay men and women or bisexuals they reveal their orientation to friends and family. In this episode, we talked about transgender and uh, just how life is like for a transgender and a life for uh, for gay men. I've listed all the pointers that we talked about in the description, so please check that out. I hope you like this episode. Today I have my friend with me, Brian. Um, Brian, for the one person who doesn't know who you are, mm-hmm. could you do a little introduction? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Brian Pechkowski, and I am um, the director of Penn State's LGBTQA Resource Center. Would you, can you explain what is LGBTQA? Absolutely. So um, LGBTQA stands for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender, Queer, um, and Asexual Ally Resource Center at Penn State. And so we do a variety of advocacy, education, um, outreach, and support across the university community. My first question is, could you touch a little bit on the transgender community and how er, how is their struggles different than a lesbian or a gay? Mm-hmm. Trans issues are really about gender. Um, it okay. really is about you know who am I in the world? It's about how I express myself in the world, mm-hmm. um, who I know myself to be internally, um, and how I express that externally. Um, and there is some uh, connection to that biological sex, hormones, chromosomes, internal, external genitalia. Um, but in a way, when we think about sexual orientation, which is the gay, lesbian piece or identity, it's really, you know, we look at matters of the heart. It could be romantic connection. Um, it could be physical connection. There's lots of differences and nuances. And so, um, and I think the, the issues do change and, and mm-hmm. vary. Uh, marginalization within the the larger LGBTQ umbrella, trans folks are experiencing the highest rates of discrimination and violence, um, power-based personal violence. And if we look at multiple layers of identity, um, trans folks of color are experiencing even even the highest levels of that. And so um, if we look at sexual violence, we go even deeper in, in mm-hmm. higher percentages of folks who um, are manipulated or treated horribly um, or physically assaulted um, or you know experience hate or violence in really harmful ways mm-hmm. um and so i think looking at the communities trans folks have sexual orientations and identities just as non-trans folks do mm-hmm. um and just as you know straight identified heterosexual folks have mm-hmm. sexual orientations and gender identities um this stuff does overlap um, but there's absolutely nuances and identity and dimension that that vary you 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 mentioned that um transgender mm-hmm. community have um higher sexual violence mm-hmm. than others. Absolutely. Um, we already have a big stigma for male and female yeah. sexual violence. What would be some of the stigmas for transgender community? Yeah. I think when anyone breaks the mold of gender or how we've mm-hmm. defined gender or how we've defined sex, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when I talk about sex, I think about male, female, intersex which is variations in sex development right uh, when i think about gender i think about one's person's identification is man woman transgender agender meaning without a gender 
um, or gender queer, gender nonconforming, or not fitting that man or woman mold. Um, I think looking at the sexual violence areas, um, it's when someone breaks that mold or the way that we have constructed these identities to look in the world, there's a reaction. And many times those reactions are embedded in someone's discomfort with someone else's expression of who they are in the world. Um, and we look at some of the you know, violent situations that trans and non-binary folks experience, it, it, it ranges from somebody trying to prove someone's birth sex um, because they feel it's their right to prove that they are whatever they are. Um, and then I think, you know, there's there's so many nuances and identities that there's microaggressions that happen on a day-to-day basis in terms of names and in ter- terms of how someone passes in the world or looks mm-hmm. like how they want to identify or how they know themselves to be. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are little pieces of violence that I think cycle up and expand the notion and how someone experiences and feels and lives in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a way, if we look at trans folks again, I think it really is going back to that, I'm not fitting this mold okay. of what the world has said about gender. Um, and mm-hmm. so unfortunately, I think that leads to increased violence and discrimination so so it's like when they don't think that they don't fit what's what they've been told what man and woman is uh, it it creates that absolutely uh, okay um my next question is if i if i had to ask you that Mm -hmm. are you straight or gay yep um how would i ask that yeah, I, I, I could also look at this if the, in a friendship where someone may not be out yet or may not be self-disclosing that they're part of this community, mm-hmm. um, but they keep, you know, their friends maybe might be wondering mm-hmm. about who they are. Um, I've given conversation pointers of, you know, maybe you say that you saw this great article on LGBT stuff or you saw this great article on sexuality and gender stuff, and I, I really think that these folks deserve every right in the world to be who they are. That starts a conversation and starts to lay a foundation for folks to really possibly disclose who they are with you. Mm-hmm. So I'm a straight man. Yep. And you're a gay man. Mm-hmm. How do you think our lives are different? I mean, we're different on diff- like yeah. different age, we're different Absolutely. race. Absolutely, you know? yep. So that's a different. But in terms of, uh, if you have to compare the straight men versus straight, oh, uh, sorry, straight man versus gay yeah. man, how is that different? I think life has its complications across the board. <laughs> so, so wherever you might be walking a journey, um, I think in many ways there's absolutely certain privileges that, you know, maybe I think in my in my relationship with my husband, I think like we when we are we have twin boys, we have um, twin Congrats. sons. So yeah. thank you. So they're 18 months old, but I think you know when we were going through the family planning process and. Um, it's not so simple when there's two men to procreate or to have children. Um, acknowledging that folks do look at you sometimes differently. It's mm-hmm. the microaggressions in many ways. Um, I was recently doing annual doctor's appointments because once the semester lets out, it's easier to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and was at a doctor's office that has always been a good doctor's office, but one of the nurses, I had said something about having kids and they had said, well, what does your wife do? And I'm like, okay. oh, well. <laughs> I'm, I just, I'm just And I, I think you have to constantly come out with it. Um, 
because all you know, maybe a form doesn't have the ability to put my husband as my oh, per, my support okay. person or whatever. Okay. Um, but I think it's all of those things that we realize that the world is set up for a heterosexual practice. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting better, mm-hmm. um, or people are more aware of how can we broaden this a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are it's you know many ways there's the assumption that someone is heterosexual and so you have to come out to well how do i date someone how do i find out i I many times joke in workshops or things that i do on campus that you know lgbt folks are not walking around with signs on their head of you know i'm i'm lesbian and i'm looking for another lesbian like um there's dating apps just like everyone else is going online and and those apps are shifting too uh but it still is hard to find connection. Um, mm-hmm. And so thinking about some of those areas, I think that's where some of the life experiences or the journeys we walk are similar yet different. Mm-hmm. So, Because I think for heterosexual, it's just assume that. Yeah, you know, it is. You know, if you're, if you're a man, you're interested in female, if you're a female, you're yeah. in men. Well, and I, and I think that's where, you know, the one question that many of my colleagues would ask me, when did you come out as straight? Like, when did you have to tell everyone in the world that you were straight? Most likely, you probably didn't. Um, <laughs> and so, unless you have a really progressive family or yeah. really progressive friends that right. they're like, well, what are you? But in, in the reality is, of you know, in doctor's offices, you know, even to this point that I've been out many years and then also have been doing this type of work for many years, um, it still is a flight, it's still, it's not always comfortable to come out in in like a doctor's office because you don't know how they might perceive you right um or how your interactions will change right after that mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's a constant process and many times it's it's invisible for the most like, i think people can make assumptions right um and so it may be this very hidden thing but then all of a sudden becomes very visible quickly when there's a question asked or there's something that just isn't fitting. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm an Indian mm-hmm. um, and I grew up in India for 18 yep. years and I came here. And I can say for sure that in our culture, yeah. masculinity is uh, is very like viewed as, you know, a strong, dominant. Yeah, absolutely. I do the outside work. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of thing. Would you have any recommendation for people who come from culture similar yeah. to me? Um, what can they do in their lives to like not fit in that masculinity roles or to like yeah. fight that stigma? I shared before the interview that years ago I was in the seminary to be a priest. Mm-hmm. So my moral compass at that point was that LGBT issues were not good. They were they weren't so affirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means would I have been able to apply my very religious, pretty strict background and be who I am now as this person who does gender and sexuality work. Um, but I think it it takes a vulnerability to experience that maybe my way isn't the only way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, I think folks that are coming or studying in the United States from another country um, or people from the United States going to other countries to study, I think when we really look at those nuances, um, I think those those are the folks that actually have the upper bar of actually seeing that this one culture is not the only culture that exists. <laughs> um, there's many students that in many there's still 
eight or nine countries around the globe that punish assumed homosexuality by death. Um, and I've worked with many of those students who study here or studying at Penn State or other campuses, and we've worked on asylum because they can't go home um, because they're awaiting a death sentence or they're awaiting criminal punishment wow. um, because word got home um, that they were studying here uh, or, or out or engaged in sexual or gender diversity stuff while here. I think that's where you know we look at folks that want to explore this, but also is it safe to explore it? Is it safe to express it? The world's a complex place yet. Um, I would encourage everyone to step outside of their comfort zone, um, but also recognize that there are, I think we have to have the cultural humility to understand that even though this is my way, this can't be everyone's. Um, and I don't want everyone to understand everything. Um, I want people just to respect me as a person um, and recognize that, but recognize that there's so much depth in every person we meet. We don't always get to experience it, um, but in a way, you know, this stuff is, it's a constant learning process and it's constantly shifting. Um, even within those countries where there's criminal punishments, there's also really big communities of queer or LGBT folks that are thriving. Um, so it's not, you know, just because the larger picture is that they're super non-affirming and there's a bad place. I think there's people that live there and will experience and be able to live their lives in LGBT relationships because they're able to navigate and know the culture. What, um, what makes it hard to come up? Will people still connect to me? I think mm -hmm. that's the basic level of if I say this truth, this thing that I know internally to someone else, will I lose that person? Will I lose that community? Will I lose my culture? Will I lose whatever that is? Mm -hmm. um, it's fear. And it's, you know, many times it's, it's fear that isn't so real, but other times it is real. I think um, many times national media or media across the globe has started to say that, you know, LGBT issues are, we're done with those. Like we're better now. I don't think we're there yet. Um, I, unfortunately, I think we have fooled ourselves or really falsely believe that, you know, there are, there are still many students that I work with during an academic year that get disowned by their families. Um, they've have all financial support pulled because their family found out about who they are. And so, so I think when we look, and there's, I think if we look at trans violence and we look at LGBT violence as a whole, there are still many folks that are killed a year um, because they are a part of this community or someone assumed that they're a part of this community. Um, and so I think safety, um, safety being, you know, connection are probably the, the basic levels of mm. why. Um, and then I think, you know, there are also just so many other, as, as someone will navigate the work environment, um, outside of the family environment, school environments, um, different countries with different laws. There's so many things that I think will be in the background for someone as they're entertaining these conversations. Um, again, I think it, it's a challenge for all of us who are doing advocacy work both within and outside of communities of how do we create environments where people can be their whole selves. Mm -hmm. They may not have to say the words that I'm gay, lesbian, or whatever, but they feel welcome. Um, and I think that's, 
in many ways, there are more people out, I think. There are more people that are identifying as trans in mm-hmm. the world. Doesn't mean that there's you know something in the water that is causing all these people to be trans. <laughs> it's culture has started to shift so people can be more visible. Mm-hmm. There are folks within the LGBT community that say that, folks, you need to come out of the closet so that people see you. I don't always agree with that sentiment because there's so much other stuff that are happening for that individual person. Um, that individual person needs to walk their own journey. And whenever it's right, if it's ever right, mm-hmm. that's when they should come out and be who they are. Okay. Um, what would you say? So I'm going to read out to you two news, art, news uh, headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone is interested in reading more about it, I have the links in the description. So the first news article is by NBC, and it's, LGBTQ migrants are 97 times more likely to be sexually assaulted in detention. And the other one is by the Huffington Post, which is LGBT students face more sexual harassment and assault and more trouble reporting it. What can people do, people around them can do so that um, the person who went through Mm -hmm. such an experience um, how like how can people around them help them make them feel better? Yeah, I think I, con- I yeah. said the question totally wrong. Well, no, that's okay. I think so. I I think you know, if you want to start with like the structures of why this happens, mm-hmm. I think many times our structures aren't prepared to embrace the nuances of identity yet. I think that's um, if we look at reporting numbers and we look at you know are we even asking the questions to find out if someone has been a victim and they if they identify within this community um, many times you know we don't ask those questions at all um, or we make the assumption that it was a heterosexual thing or mm-hmm. if it was a um, you know a, a historically kind of way that we've thought about sexual violence or power-based personal violence um, I think if we look at, you know, changing those systems, I think it is expanding how we think about, you know, who, what was the presumed or assumed gender of the perpetrator? What, how do we start thinking about this in broader terms? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we look at, you know, harassment, gender-based harassment, a lot of that stuff also is, you know, I can't identify with my chosen name or the gender I know myself to be, um, policing of bathrooms. So, you know, if we look at news headlines too, that I think are very similar to the um, Huffington Post and the gender-based harassment areas, um, it's people telling people what bathroom they should use. Even though it doesn't fit that person, people believe they have the responsibility or the ability or the, the power to say that, no, you're a woman, use the woman's room. And even though that person might identify as a man, um, that is an act of bias and discrimination and, and violence. And so, um, And then again, I think some of the other experiences I shared earlier about, you know, someone feeling that it's their right to prove that somebody is a is a female identified person or by birth rather than the man that they're expressing themselves as in the world. Um, No one should ever feel that they have that right. Um, But I also think we need to normalize that men also are are victims of rape and sexual violence and um, just are trans men and 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 also recognize that men you know the reporting numbers around men and what what prevents them from reporting things there's just so many areas that i think are complicated yet because we we many times still make the assumption that it's female undergraduate students especially on a college campus who are experiencing this 
many times LGBT numbers are higher than female undergraduate students or graduate students on a campus. And so um, thinking about the, that and then can people come forward with the information? Are they out? Will people use their LGBT status against them and say that I will out you? I will tell people about you. Oh. Um, I think there's so many variations of fear and create creating really chilly climates or chilly situations where people can't go forward with any information. Um, and if we haven't built the support structures where someone feels nourished and supported to go and talk about this with, mm -hmm. who can understand that, you know, the nuances of their experience with all the identities they bring, with all the experiences they bring, they're not going to go forward. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think as soon as that investigator or advocate says, well, was it a man or was it a woman? Like, the conversation stops of, well, you just don't understand me. Um, and so, and the more and more times they have to tell their story, the increased trauma that just oh. keeps happening. So um, I think looking at that, that in, in terms of reporting structure is absolutely why I think we look at why, how how the world is still, you know, being affected by this and how, you know, our structures just aren't there to support it. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the second piece of the question? Um, if I know a victim... How to support how can them. What can I do to make sure that I, I can support Yeah. I think in many ways it's, it's going to be the same as if you support any person who's experienced something hurtful or terrible. Mm -hmm. Um I would probably say really think about empathy, really think about how do you, before you start giving suggestions of what they should do, really listen. And mm -hmm. I listen to hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've, I've been a, an advocate, a sexual violence advocate at my last institution. And so thinking about that work, um, that work is, you know, I don't talk a lot. They tell me what they need. They and I help network them to those okay. places. I let that person guide the situation. Mm -hmm. I let that person tell me what they might want to do in a process. Um, how do you let that person gain control again? Mm -hmm. um, one of my mentors gives the situation of she also had done lots of sexual violence work and advocacy work. Um, I remember one of her courses when she was talking about control. And a person who has experienced sexual violence or any kind of power-based personal violence, they've experienced a loss of control. Mm -hmm. Their world is spinning out of control and they don't have any because there's people who want to do maybe rape kits or people who want to do specific tests or do criminal investigations. Everything is spinning um, and they can't find, find a foundation. One of the biggest things that I think she had always shared with us is, you know, one of the simplest questions you would ask of, can I get you a coffee or a tea? Mm -hmm. If they make that choice of a coffee or a tea, it's the first choice. It's the first choice that starts to give them grounding. Oh, so even it's not about the sexual wow. violence. It's, okay. can I get you something to drink? Um, you know, give them the choice and start to recreate power for them. And then we get into... Well, there's all these reporting options, and can you do you want to do this? What does this look like? Find a real, you know, I think that is if you're a person or a support person, start looking for the resources so they don't have to. Um, then present them all, and then give them options. Don't say, "I really think you should go to this one because." Let them make that decision. Mm -hmm. Offer to go with them to whatever processes they need to navigate through. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then be a good friend. I think, you know, are they eating? Are they be, still being connected to the world? Mm-hmm. What other things can we do? And I think you know, if you're living in a large city or living in a rural area, absolutely resources are going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if we go back to empathy and how do we just support that person, mm-hmm. um, that's probably, and, and again, affirming choice mm-hmm. is probably some of the most important areas to, to start that conversation. Remember, it's not about you in that moment. It's about them. them. So, Thank you. Absolutely. My last question is, um, have you ever felt um, threatened? Uh, let me say this way. Um, so I'm a person of color. Yep. I would uh, I would have different concerns yeah. than uh, people who are white. Yeah. Like, I would Absolutely. not go to some area. Yeah. I, yes. And d- just because... It might be not true, but it's just because of what I have yes. heard, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, is there, um, like, any threats that you might have felt before or any concerns yeah. that straight men don't feel or straight people don't feel? Yeah, I think it, there's been several incidents that, you know, throughout my life that you know, we are, you know, some have ranged from being, you know, in a beach town to having like in a southern area of the united states and being having things thrown at us and the person i was dating at that time and i think because they felt that they could like and so to you know comments um even more so recently i had been sharing um social media i don't share a lot on personally but i do um share lots of new stuff because different networks i I think it's important to educate Mm -hmm. um and also to educate holistically about everything that's happening in the world um but recently i'd shared something about um over the last three years lgbt rights for families um or lgbt families has decreased Mm -hmm. um and has been gradually eroding Mm -hmm. um but it's been kind of mostly invisible and so all of these cases across courts in the united states uh, and what has been coming out of it and so somebody who had been a, a friend on there decides to go off on a tangent um and it's, it's a person who I had thought was pretty supportive of us having our children, but it was, you know, a return to this is God's way. God is, God is finally oh. getting his, his fill and it's time for you all to listen. And I think there's all of those little, those things that aren't so little over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's always interesting things that have happened over time that later on I'm like oh I wish I said something but then what would that situation have looked like if I had said something mm-hmm. um, and then you think about bystander intervention of I have spoken up for others I'm much worse at doing that for myself <laughs> um, but I think looking at that I, absolutely I think you from any marginalized community or community that does not is not seen as the standard or the normative value um you experience those things. Sometimes you put them in the back of your mind as hopefully you don't ever have to experience them again. But we also know it's a reality and we also then live our lives because we've experienced those realities. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where we many times have this almost peripheral vision of I'm always on the watch. It's almost a subconscious of I'm watching people interact around me even though I don't realize I'm doing it. But if I see someone, you know, grab, you know, looking suspicious in a way of like you think about gun violence you think Mm -hmm. about all those things i make those assumptions Mm -hmm. are those assumptions always right absolutely not Mm -hmm. um 
but it's because of the experiences I've heard from others, the experiences I've had myself that have absolutely informed that of, and I think it's actually become stronger with babies or the, because I'm more so protecting them versus myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and in any way, you know, I will protect and stand up for them. Um, and I think that starts to shift when you become a parent and then, you know, you're, you're on super alert mode. <laughs> um, so I, it's amazing. I think as life has shifted for us too, um, what that has looked like, but, um, there's absolutely babies have changed it in many ways too, because we've had several experiences of, a we've been out at a restaurant and, oh, it's dad's day out. And I'm like, uh, nope, they're twins and they're ours. Um, and so, and then they look a right way of like, oh, and they need to go pray on it. And I'm like, oh, really? Come on. <laughs> but, but I think that's, in some ways we live visibly, we live who we are, um, but you also live who you are in any identity piece of knowing what, what could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it doesn't, but it gives you a hyper awareness in a way of, you know, the world still is complicated. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Absolutely. Do you want to share one last message for people who are l- listening and, um, if they can take up action mm-hmm. right now or maybe soon so that they can support yeah. maybe people they know who are LGBT or support the community absolutely um i think read what's happening in the world i think read what's happening across the world engage in that material um and i think looking at it from both sides and all sides in a way because um knowing what's being said both in more conservative areas to more liberal areas I think that gives us a broader understanding. So rather than just reading all the liberal news stories, what's happening on the other side? What are the comments? What's happening for folks? And how are those folks informing the communities, the friends we know, the other, the folks that we know, and their experience in life? Um, and so I, get, I think continued education, that's part of being an ally and supporting others. And, and um, it has to be active. It needs to be continuously evolving. Um, for folks that are within the community that are still struggling, do you be you i think do what you need to do to survive in the world um i think some folks right now feel a a way that they need to take action to be more hurtful or more hateful than ever before or in this current moment or um i think it's okay to take care of yourself um take care of what you need to do in the world and be who you are without anyone else telling you who you need to be Mm -hmm. um so again, for those who are advocating, continue to move education forward and advocate to, to create culture change and expand people's welcome. For those that are within and still struggling, take care of yourself. Um, I think that's that's critical because without you, you the world isn't going to change. So um, your life, your experiences do transform the world. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Thank you so much, Brian, for this. Absolutely. Um, I think this is super helpful and I really hope that we're able to make a change. I hope you like this episode. Please give it a review. It does help me a lot just to know what I can do better. I'll be back next week with a, an, another episode. Thank you.